The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 110 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, we've got P Nate and Chris in the studio. One with Chris today. Feel good about that? No. Good. Yep. Yep. Love I it. feel good about it. <laughs> you, you're feeling great about it. I feel great. Um, how you doing today, man? Doing, doing good. Actually, I'm. You know what? Sometimes we come in here and we're excited about the topics. And today's topic, I wasn't super pumped about. But then when we got here and just kind of debriefed where we want to go with it, I'm excited. Now you're feeling good about it. Yeah, I, I feel like I just set us up for more of too, like, too high expectations. To, but. Total another collapse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, agree. Maybe, maybe I agree. But I, I, yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, it's good to be in here recording. Um, and uh, and I'm just I'm just pumped about this whole thing. Like uh, it's it's been fun working with Van Brimmers and the Emerys. Uh, it's been fun uh, doing this Rebel thing. So if you're just now getting to know us. We're the Rebels. This is the Rebel Podcast, but we are part of the Rebel Alliance Media. And you can go to rebelalliancemedia.com to see all of it. Uh, we got some bloggers. We have the Awakening Reformation Podcast that drops on Tuesdays. We have the um, the uh, Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids podcast that drops on Mondays. That's actually a podcast that you can listen to with your kids. The FOF. The FOF. Um, does that mean the ARP is Awakening Reformation Podcast? ARP? No, see, I just call that the Awakening. Mm. The awakening. I'm going with ARP. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, so so uh, I'm, I'm pumped about where things are going. Uh, I think we have a lot of great listeners, and it's cool to see that there are more listeners coming. Uh, it's been nice to see people inviting their friends, sharing the posts. So I'm just grateful. I think, I, you know, this, this ministry has exceeded a lot of our expectations, and so uh, it's just been fun, and it's great to be in here recording again. Yeah, the feedback has been fantastic. We very much appreciate just the amount of support, amount of, uh, positive comments that we've got about the blogs and about the new kind of not direction, but kind of, uh, umbrella, so to speak of the rebel Alliance. So we're very, very happy about that. Thank you very much for that. And continue to engage. Like we, we, again, totally. we always say this, we love it. We want to hear from you. We want you to tag us in the videos and on the Facebook posts because we, we live to get in those fights. I think. <laughs> <laughs> is the way I would say it. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, one of the things that we wanted to start off with is, as always, Rebel News. And I have kind of a, just a disturbing piece, man. This is from uh, our friends over at uh, Awakening Reformation sent this to me. So thanks, guys. You're haunting me. Um, but this is um, the, an animator from uh, the show My Little Pony. And Chris, you just told me some disturbing things about My Little Pony, is that there's a whole group of dudes who lo- like grown men who like this show who identify themselves as brownies uh, yeah that's creepy to me google but, it but here's well, the thing like, don't actually 
Uh, so this is uh, this is a uh, article on fightthenewdrug.org, uh, which is a, essentially a, a ministry that's uh, fighting pornography. Um, but uh, according to recent reports, a Canadian animator who is best known for his work on the children's TV show My Little Pony has been sentenced to 28 months in prison for possessing more than 60,000 child exploitation images, also known as child pornography, and sharing them with others online. Tom Wysom... 55 years old, worked on the TV productions such as My Little Pony Friendship is Magic and Littlest Pet Shop, according to the Internet Movie Database. Wissom pled guilty to child porn charges in December and was sentenced earlier in July. In October 2017, police found 60,165 images in his home, many of them duplicates, along with 1,626 videos. Um, and I, I won't even get in it. It's pretty graphic and gory details. Um, but here's here. So here's the point. Two things. Number one, this isn't the first time, right? This is not the first time. It, it, it's interesting that there have been several animators of kid shows, um, and, and writers of kid shows. And in Ontario, even, um, the individual, one of the main individuals who is involved in our sex ed curriculum, I, who have been arrested for child pornography. This is, uh, this is something that's way more prolific than we think it is, and it's disgusting. But why we want to bring it up here is because y- you can't tell me that the character of the person who's animating a series for children is not leaking its way into the show. Just like we would say that the the person who's involved in writing the sex ed curriculum for um, uh, public schools, um, his ideologies and his perversion leaked its leaked its way into the curriculum. So I say that to to just say I think parents need to be really careful about what they're letting their kids watch. Um, I know that there are some things that seem super harmless, but I think as Christians we have discernment. And there have been a couple of shows that there's nothing explicit in it. There's nothing weird in it. There's nothing like that that actually sends off red flags. But I just get a creepy feeling when I'm watching it. And I think that Christians ought to pay attention to those kinds of things. And we ought to really monitor what we allow our kids to watch. Because these kinds of ideologies are not divorced from uh, from the, the people who, with and their ideologies are not divorced from the products that they're making. No, exactly. We we. We all like we do this with everything we read, we write. We always say all oh, the the author's real life really influenced his writing Absolutely. in this novel, in this uh, b- this book. But for some bizarre reason, when we think about TV, we we don't think that happens, right? And we detach ourselves from the writers of the TV shows, the animators of the TV shows, who are the ones drawing the pictures that depict whatever the author has wrote, written in that situation. But we don't think they're they're their worldview in, impacts that. That's yeah. it's fallacy. Obviously, it does. Absolutely. So we need to be ca- we need to be cautious of that. We need to understand that those things do influence us. And what's that that uh, kind of slogan that that teachers your your youth kid teacher always used to say? Whatever, garbage in, garbage out. Right. Yeah, that's right. But the truth is that's, also McGee and me. Uh, is that is that a McGee? <laughs> yeah, is, Love yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I didn't grow up in the church, so McGee and me was not a thing I got into until you about poor, a year poor ago. Soul. I know. I know. Veggie Tales was like just ending. Anyway, besides the point. Um, but what what you put in does come out, Absolutely. right? Which also means what's in you, what's your worldview, what your political beliefs are, what your moral beliefs are. They come out when you're doing things like writing, when you're doing things artistically, because that's coming out of you and you're putting it in. So obviously somebody who is sick is going to have somehow put that into his into his work, right? Yeah. And because we would just say that 
you know, I think it's Doug Wilson who says that theology should should drip from our fingertips. In other words, everything that we do is theological, right? We always live off the, the convictions of our hearts. And that's true whether or not your convictions are theological in terms of biblical theology or theological in terms of your secular humanism. Hmm. Um, and, and so I, I think that we all, we're all... Um, you know, culture is just religion externalized. And, uh, and so everybody is living out their worldview and it's creating the culture around us. And, and so the other thing I just want to say is that um, it, it's easy, I think, for us as, as Christians uh, to look at and, and say how horrible and, and demented and perverted child pornography is. But some of us fail to make the connection between pornography and child pornography. And this particular article, I, I, would, I would encourage anybody to go to thenewdrug.org, um, where it's, it's actually, it, a lot of studies are showing now that pornography is an escalating addiction. Um, so so uh, watching pornography, just like, you know, eating a good meal or having sex with your wife releases dopamine. And the dopamine is, is something that like any sort of addictive substance, you end up getting um, uh, used to and you end up, your body builds up a natural tolerance to. And so in the area of pornography, there's all kinds of, not even just Christian, but secular studies that show that people who are seeped in pornography continually need to look at more uh, perverted content in order to, to feel the same sort of arousal that they did right off the bat. And so I would just say to anybody who even, even I mean, there's no such thing as an innocent you know, <laughs> porn habit. But I would just say, I think that there are a lot of Christians, I mean, statistics would tell us that this is a huge issue in the church. And, and so guaranteed, among all the, the thousands of people who would listen to us, and most of them being men, um, high, high chance that there are hundreds of people who are listening to this who are watching pornography in, in the, the, the times that they're alone. And I would just say to you, you're, you're playing with fire. Not only are you sinning against a holy God, against your wife if you have one, against your family if you have one, but I would also just say you are in danger of allowing that addiction to fester deeper and darker thoughts and, and inclinations in your heart to the point where um, you might think this kind of stuff is, is completely um, outside of the scope of a possible thing that you would fall into, but that's not what the stats say. That's not what the studies show. The studies show that uh, if you cannot, by the power of the Spirit, overcome this, um, you are going to delve deeper and deeper into perversion until these are the kinds of things that you are struggling with. So I would just say to the average listener who's listening to us who doesn't think that they're, you know, meandering onto an inappropriate website here and there to gratify their, their lust um, is really doing any harm. I would, I would say not only is it doing grave harm to you and your family, um, but uh, uh, Paul says don't let anything master you. And this is why, because sin is addicting and sin makes us stupid. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's fantastic. We should probably do a whole episode sometime soon about just the effects of pornography that we have in just absolutely. not only just on, on men, on women and on in our churches and our relationships. It's I, huge. It's exactly. Huge. I've, I've talked to I have a friend who I won't say his name because I don't know if I'm allowed, but he counsels kids who are, who have basically have porn porn addictions at like 15, yeah. 16. And it's the crazy. way they even react like to normal interactions with girls is beyond cra crazy because they don't know how they only know how to react in the, in this pornography culture where it's like they're an object or, and then they're an, they are themselves an object too, to the, to the woman. It's not just men. We think of it cause we're guys. We think of it right. just as a men problem. But it's also women too. Absolutely. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. And it's, 
And it's all over our church and something we should probably be, we should probably actually do a whole episode on that. Yeah, we should, because just as I'm sitting here and thinking, I mean, um, it's such a huge topic because when you look at the culture right now where it's, it's on vogue for us to fight for women's rights and talk about how oppressive male patriarchy is and all that kind of stuff. What we would say is that one of the, one of the things, and we've, we talked about this in a previous episode, how, um, the, the secular world always looks for band-aid solutions, right? And so they say men are abusing women. Um, therefore what we ought to do is empower women and, and, and tell them they can do anything a man can do. Well, in, in God's world, that's not actually true. In God's world, God has designed men and women to be completely equal in value but with differing roles and and yet so the answer to men oppressing and abusing women is not to empower women to tell them they can do anything a man can do Uh, one of it is to actually challenge men to be biblical men and that is protect and and uh provide for women well men who are addicted to pornography who are who are training themselves to see women as objects will not be protecting them but will actually be predators of them and so um the one of the reasons that the world no matter how many me too movements or or how many feminist uh books or movies are made they're never going to solve this problem of men abusing women because they embrace the pornography and sexual revolution culture so yeah, we should do a whole episode on that. Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay. let's actually we're gonna do another rebel news, but let's just skip that. Okay. Because that actually ties really well into what we're gonna talk about today. Okay, sounds so good. Let's, so let's take a quick break. Exactly. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, it's Dave, the Rebel Alliance Media Tech Guy here to tell you more about the new, improved, expanded Rebel Alliance Media. It's new, it's improved, and yes, it's expanded. Check it out at rebelalliancemedia.com. There's the original Rebel podcast, as always, but now there's the Awakening Reformation podcast with Grant and Erica Van Brimmer, plus their new Faith of the Fathers podcast with their children. Great listening for families. Catch the Rebels each Friday for their weekly video on culture and get a refreshing review of eschatology with Pastor Nate's Eschatology 101 video series. Another new addition is the blogs and articles page with some excellent reads by the Van Brimmers along with Ben and Andrew Emery. You can now help Rebel Alliance Media financially through the donate button at the top of the homepage. It's a brand new website, so make it your home base for interacting with the Rebels. Don't forget to share it with your friends. That's rebelalliancemedia.com. Welcome back. Uh, we're here with a, kind of an interesting topic. And, and one of the things, so let me uh, give you a, some insight into the weekends of the Rebels. <laughs> yesterday was a dreary, no, that actually wasn't yesterday. So Monday was a rainy, dreary holiday day. And though the morning was nice and the Rebels found themselves in our father-in-law's pool, uh, with uh playing with the kiddos so uh we colleen and i took the family over to the in-laws house they have a pool uh so we took advantage of that it was a nice hot muggy morning uh chris and heather came over played with the kids it was wonderful but then the storm clouds rolled in and so then we have to go inside the house and in going inside the house on a rainy dreary day when we had planned for a pool day we decided what would be a better thing to do than to introduce my daughter to one of my favorite childhood movies so we curl up on the couch and we watch robin hood the original robin hood not the original the 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 original disney 
Robin Hood. And uh, I think, so this was made in 1978. It was- 73. 73, there you go. older. There you go. 1973, old movie. It was, honestly, this was my favorite Disney movie growing up. Like, I liked Lion King and and Aladdin and those movies, but like, Robin Hood was my favorite. I loved Robin Hood. Robin Hood was great. So for any of you who haven't seen it, go watch it. It's so good. I think it held up. Yeah, I think it held up. I mean, the animation, it, there, there's some things that just impressed me about it. Like, that's back when, literally, that was hand-drawn. Like, that, that, it's pretty cool. Anyway, so we watched the Robin Hood movie, and I make the, the comment to Chris that, like, the fact that we grew up watching movies like that, and the current generation grew up watching SpongeBob SquarePants is the problem with the modern culture. It was a big statement. I meant for it to be funny. And though we laughed, then we got talking about it. And as we talked about it, we thought this would be actually a pretty good um, topic for the, for the rebels. So as we talk about how to engage culture with a biblical worldview, we recognize that we live in an entertainment culture, especially here in North America, movies, books, stories. These are parts of our culture. And, and, and there are ways that certain movies, certain books, certain storylines really do kind of shape generations, right? There's, there's a whole demographic of people who grew up on Harry Potter, right? You and I grew up on Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. They grew up on Harry Potter. Um, there's, there's, uh, you know, things like the Hunger Games and, um, and Twilight that kind of swept, swept up a whole subculture of teenagers when they came out. So stories are powerful. And in a lot of ways, we think about how um, stories are a product of the culture, meaning that the culture's values are reflected in the stories that we tell. And this is kind of one of those chicken and the egg things, because I would also say that stories shape the culture. So what stories we grow up listening to, hearing, um, pretend like, you know, the fact that you and I grew up pretending we were Robin Hood and little kids nowadays are growing up pretending that they're SpongeBob who has square pants, who lives in a pineapple under the sea. How do you, you know way too much about SpongeBob. <laughs> um, it, it, it shapes who you are, right? So one of the things that we notice when we're watching Robin Hood is that Robin Hood is selfless. He's courageous. He stands up for the oppressed. He fights the powers that be. He's, um, he, he recognizes his place in things. It's, it's really interesting. He, he, he puts himself in harm's way in order to rob from the rich to give to the poor. Um, and, and there was even a couple, like this is a kid's Disney movie. And there are a couple times when they're talking, like Robin Hood and Little John are sitting there talking and they're talking about like kind of the ethics of what they're doing. They're talking about the ethics of like robbing the rich to give to the poor. It's actually very, very deep. It's profound. He's a deep thinker and he's, he's a man of action. All these kinds of things. Robin Hood is a guy that young boys can look to as a role model and actually actually becoming like Robin Hood would be good. Our society could use more little boys pretending that they're Robin Hood wanting to grow up to be like Robin Hood. Um, what our culture doesn't need is a whole lot of SpongeBob SquarePants. And, and I'm picking on one thing, but there, there's all kinds of them. You even look at like some of the, so I look at um, like the show Minions, right? Have you seen the Disney movie, the Pixar movie Minions? <laughs> no, yeah. but okay. you don't have kids, so it's different. But, <laughs> but so the show Minions, um, I actually don't think I've seen it all either. I think we we started watching it, but um, so the, these little minions they kind of follow around evil beings, right? And and Was so there's this Groot? no, that's a that's... no, that's Guardians of the Galaxy. 
Um, I'm coming across as like really knowing movies. You're the you're Gruel. The, His name is something with a group. It doesn't matter. G. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, all this to say, in Minions, they're drawing lines between a hero and a villain and, and all this kind of stuff. There's not really kind of a deeper overarching story that's like something that's inspiring courage and 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 righteousness in young young boys. But in Robin Hood, there is right. And there's there's this there's this moment in Robin Hood when they're doing the jailbreak when when Prince John is throwing everybody into into jail for not paying their taxes when he raised the taxes, and Robin Hood and Little John break Friar Tuck and all these guys out of out of prison. And there's this one moment where um, the cute little rabbit kid, who's you know like the toddler with the t- teddy bear. It is like left behind and Robin runs back and saves this this child, you know, kind of sacrificing himself in the process or or what appears to be. But of course, Robin Hood doesn't die. It's Robin Hood. And it's yeah. a kid's movie. And it's Come a on. Disney movie. <laughs> um, and, and there's even a scene like uh, when uh, when Friar Tuck. Right. I, I remember I turned to you and I'm just like, man, that, like now there's a preacher. <laughs> right. So Friar Tuck is uh, like basically like gets a bow staff and fights the sheriff of Nottingham telling him that he's oppressing the poor and he's he's doing something unrighteous and he, he attacks him with a bow staff yeah, and he kicks he gets, him out of his church yeah, boots him out of the church it's amazing but you look at this and like these are the stories that shaped our generation now I'm not saying there's a whole lot of really awesome things about our generation but there's certainly we can see a decline in masculinity we can see a decline in in kind of understanding just a man's role as a protector and a provider and all these kinds of things and, and part of it is because of the shows and the movies and the stories that shape us. Yeah. If, I want to prove this to you. Okay. So I want to, I want to do tr- it like not to you, obviously oh, okay. you, you, you already agree, but I mean, somebody might be listening thinking, no rebels, you're wrong. Everything's kind of just neutral. You're, you're just picking on one TV show, SpongeBob versus this one movie. Right. Go, first, I want to say one comment on art in general, archeologists, learn more about a culture and what they believe based on their art. Absolutely. If you, if you read archeology span books, I have a cousin who's an archeologist. This is the only reason I know this. Like, Indiana Jones is the closest I ever yeah. got to archeology. span yeah. Anyway, but, uh, but if you read people who study history, if you read people who've studied ancient cultures, their writing. So their, their, his, their histories of their culture themselves, but particularly their, their pop culture, the stories they told, the plays they put on, and the art they drew tell you more about the moral values of that culture That's right. than anything historically. Because generally, histories read as, and in the year 2017, yeah. Justin Trudeau did that. Whereas, well, and not only that, but also historians tend to, the history that survives is the history of the winners. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. You, so, Absolutely. so those who win battles and those, they, they write the history. And so it's always skewed because it's always from one perspective or the other, right? Exactly. But, but the art tells you about the culture, what the average person thinks. Exactly. What people believed and what people felt at the time because history loses emotion. That's right. Think 200 years from now, and it seems asinine to think, but the World, world War II, once everybody has grown and passed away that was involved, that remembers that, the emotion of that will be lost. Right. All that will be remaining is, is us reading about the emotion because none of us will have lived it. Right. And so we'll be reading about it. So let me let me prove this idea that the that what are we grew up watching really shapes who we are in terms of like what we hold as good values. I want you to think of your grandfather. Yep. Or somebody who's that age. 
And think of the movies and the shows they grew up watching. They grew up watching Westerns with Charles Charlton Heston, yep. Clint, Clint Eastwood, um, those type of men, those men, man's man type guys. Yep. Now think of your grandfather. Yep. Almost everybody can say, well, my grandfather is an awesome man. Yep. I mean, dude. he's a man. He's a he dude. Works with his hands. Yeah. He, he, he knows, he knows those things. Then think of the next the next generation on who grew up watching shows like, you know, the Brady Bunch, the Little <laughs> like, House on the Prairie, Little House on the Prairies. Yep. Still a man's man, but a lot different of a man's man than the John Wayne type guy. Must more domesticated, not so Wild West. Ex- exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now think of the men that you work with, and the men and the men that are in the, in, the in, in the mid mid thirties. Yep. They grew up watching shows about Ross yep. Chandler. Yep. Joey Simpsons, the Simpsons, Everybody Homer loves Simpson. Raymond, um, married with children. What was that guy's name? Bundy, Al Bundy, Al Bundy. Uh, yeah. Um, Homer Simpson, Peter Griffin, right. Jerry Seinfeld, Kramer, George, right. all these men who are either bumbling idiots, womanizers, yep. Yep. or getting divorced every week in <laughs> Ross's case. Um, and I, and I think friends yeah. is funny, but I yeah. mean like, no, look, I, at, look at the difference in those men bef- between Charlton Heston and Ross Geller. Yep. Compare those, and then wonder where we are. Yep. The next in the next generation down, where we don't even have men anymore in shows. The men that we have in the next generation of TV, SpongeBob SquarePants. Is he even a dude? <laughs> I don't know. Is he a guy? I, I don't know. But what I mean is, like, we ha- we can't even identify right. a, a man in this in this next level of sitcom, other than they're usually the idiot character. Right. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And I think like when you think about um, when you think about Little House on the Prairie, right, and you think about um, the father in Little House on the Prairie and again, man's man, a guy who understood that he needed to protect his wife, provide for his wife, provide for his family, all that kind of stuff. Um, Charles, Charles Ingalls. Um, you know, a, a guy who understood what it meant for men to bear responsibility. And, and I, okay, so, you know, some of the people who maybe started listening to the Rebel Podcast more recently um, may not know where we get the name Rebel Alliance Media. Uh, we get it from Star Wars. Chris and I are nerds. Um, but let's even just compare the Star Wars, right? Reformed nerds. Yeah, reformed nerds. Uh, let's even just compare Star Wars. So um, the original trilogy, you had Luke a young teenager. I think he was supposed to be 15 or 16 at the time of, yep. of A New Hope, right? So you get Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You get these like strong male um, leaders and and heroes. And there was a reason every young boy wanted to be either Han Solo or Luke Skywalker or some combination of the two because the the sense of adventure in Luke, right? The, the, the sense of um, like kind of even even think about um, Han Solo, right? Like this this guy who kind of struggled with, you know, I'm I'm a good guy, but you know, I struggle with selfishness and all that kind of stuff. Like, he's still a man's man. And you fast forward to the new Star Wars, and it's it's unthinkable to think that we would write a story with a male her- hero because that's you know patriarchal. <laughs> so so Ray becomes the hero, right? There's a reason the new Star Wars aren't doing as well because young boys can't identify with Ray, right? She's a she is a girl and young women 
can't identify with Ray because the story just does not ring true. It's not true to how God designed women to be the like hardened warrior, right? Like God has not created women with it, with that same sort of destructive urge that men have that needs to be channeled and needs to be pointed in the right direction. But God has created men and women fundamentally different. When you think about the original trilogy, uh, Leia was actually a very strong woman, but look at what her role was in the original trilogy. It was to, it was to help push Luke and Han to discover their full potential. And in a lot of ways, she was the helpmate, right? She was the helper and she was strong and she was independent. She was all those things, but her glory came in helping Luke discover his calling and his purpose in the whole thing and helping Han discover he's not just a scoundrel, but he's actually a good man. So you you look at that and like that story rings true to how God created the world. The modern the modern stories don't ring true, and so we don't resonate with them. And the reality is, is that, you know, um, I, art becomes almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Hmm. So you look at a generation brought up with fathers like Everybody Loves Raymond, and a lot of the fathers we see in our society are irresponsible, right? Silly. They're not, they're, they're not um, strong. They don't lead right? They take their cues from their wives, right? They almost are like one of the kids that the mom has to take care of. I see these kinds of families even in our churches and it breaks my heart because they've grown up with, with Raymond, I, I don't know his last name in the show, um, Homer Simpson, Peter Griffin. These are their role models. And in a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy, the stories that they've grown up watching have molded and shaped them into a man who's not at all like the man they're called to be by God. Yeah, the you see this when the only time a man in those shows are is a man is when he's in his garage. Like that's his only zone. That's the only place he controls. That's the only place right. he is in in power, empowering right. leadership is in the garage. Right. Every other time he's a bumbling idiot. Right. And we and we now see this being portrayed in the new Star Wars. Not that we want to talk specifically about Star Wars, but you can see the, the contrast in twenty years yep. where our culture has gone is where even the even those characters you mentioned, Han Solo, Luke, Luke Skywalker, Skywalker, they have become what our culture would expect men to become. That's exactly right. They've Han Solo is an absentee dad. Yeah, deadbeat father. Deadbeat deadbeat dad who abandoned his family. Exactly buggered out when as soon as it got tough yep. yep it isn't courageous enough to keep fighting the right he, he leaves leia there to to lead the rebellion because she's courageous enough to stay in the fight yeah he just escapes exactly and then luke makes a mistake and then goes into hiding and then basically refuses to come out of it and is too cowardly to come and face you know the consequences of his actions can't take responsibility for creating kylo ren Exactly. And then has a diatribe about religion being the problem and all that stuff. But yep. we can we can skip over we'll that. Skip but that even what we'll, we'll, we'll show like the point is that the, the storytelling has, has changed. Our culture's right. art has changed now. We're now we're portraying a different a different agenda. And it's when you when you put kids down in front of these TVs and you sh- and you share these stories with them, you you can't be alarmed when they become what they see on TV. A quote, Vody Bauckham said it, you can't send a kid to Rome and then be surprised when they come back as a Roman. Right. And he's, he's speaking directly about homeschooling. Oh, but- interesting, Chris. Why don't we talk? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, another time, yeah. another time, my friend. Um, but 
the the idea is the same for what we allow our what we allow That's, our children yeah. to watch, what we allow ourselves to watch. Absolutely. What I can't be shocked when I become a secular humanist when all I watch is TV shows that promote a secular humanist agenda. That's right. We can't be we can't and and we this this is kind of pulling in some of our our rebel news but when we're watching either shows or pornography that's objectifying women we can't be surprised when it creates a culture that objectifies women right and so you know gone are the days and so so there would be so many people who would call you know the rise of feminism in movies right like look at all the award shows in hollywood they pray they praise feminist movies and all this kind of stuff saying that they're liberating women and all this kind of stuff it's like you're not liberating women right you're you're what what you're doing is you're trying to blur the lines between the distinctive sexes that god has created but um in in no longer showing men as protective, uh, providing, uh, take initiative, take responsibility men, you are allowing men to be the, the cowardly, pornography watching, sitting in my, uh, my parents' basement loser that you're depicting in your art. And so, and, and, and then we wonder why um, so many men are, are, are so cowardly and, and why women can't find good men is because our art has, has turned them into boys, right? So, and, uh, I, I could go, yeah, and I could go on, on and on about this, but um, one, one of the other things that um, I, I thought was really interesting as we we're thinking about this is um, there's a book by Joseph Campbell called The Hero with a Thousand Faces, right? And, uh, and he kind of talks about the hero's journey. And he talks about how there are only so many kinds of stories in kind of storytelling archetype. And what, what's interesting is that you have, so he, he observed mythologies and stories and, and art and all these kinds of things throughout, you know, all these different civilizations and all these different time periods and a few different stories emerged. And he says, these are kind of the archetypes. These are the stories that we tell. And, and he even goes on to say, like, these reflect the world as it is, right? And so then what you have in the rise of postmodernism is a bunch of, of art makers who come and say, let's break away from those norms. Let's, 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 let's screw around with those archetypes because we won't be put into a box. And part of it is their desire to push back away against the way God created the world, right? In an evolutionary worldview, everything is random. Everything is up for grabs. So they start telling stories that don't ring true to the world as it is. Mm. And they start to try to invent the world based on, you know, what how they see it or how they interpret it. And, and these kinds of stories actually create a culture that hates God and hates his design for the world. And now when we look at the news around us and we see all kinds of people rebelling against the sex God made them, rebelling against the the orientation God created, uh, rebelling against the, the created order of God's universe, they're rebelling against that because our stories have taught them to. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny how that archetypal, archetypal story, is that the word? Yeah, anyway, yeah. Is a model modeled story of God's redemptive plan for us. Un, unknown hero comes and saves the day. Yeah. And it's, it's funny how we've in our culture, we're trying to push down that story because that story really is alluding to the only real story that matters, which is God's story and God's, God's redemption story, redemption, story to yeah. it. Right. And it's funny how we don't see that, but all these things that we're, all these things that we're pushing on are pushing against the gospel. 
Um, one of the things that I think is interesting when, when you talk about God's story of redemption is that we are called, we're, we're actually created and designed by God to be Christ-like, mm-hmm. meaning that God's work in, of sanctification in our life by the power of the Holy Spirit is to make us more like Jesus. Jesus is described as perfect. One of the other trends that I see in kind of the, the stories that we tell is, um, you know, it used to be that even superheroes, like I, I'm comic book nerd, I grew up on superheroes. So superheroes often used to be kind of the the, the pitic- pinnacle of human society, right? They were the best of us. They were the, they were the, they had the most integrity. They had the strongest shoulders, right? They, they could bear, they, all those kinds of things. What's happened recently is that heroes have no longer become the pinnacle of our society, but the, the superheroes are now like the epitome of our society. In other words, they're just like any one of us, but they get bit by a radioactive spider or whatever. And so we're obsessed now with flawed heroes. And so you know, Batman becomes our model for, I want to be like Batman, this, this flawed guy with all this internal strife and all that. And we no longer, and, and Superman, a bad person. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, like a, a sociopath, like, and, and Superman and, and heroes like Superman, their popularity has waned over the years. And they've actually had to fundamentally kind of change his character because people said they could no longer identify with him. So we grew up with heroes who were worth emulating. And now we've brought our heroes down to our level so that they have all the same inner demons that we have so that we can relate to them. But we aren't called to just relate to the heroes that, were, uh, that are, are part of the story that's shaping our culture. The ultimate hero is Christ. He's perfect, and we're called to try to be like him. Even though we can't be, we're flawed, but he's not. And so we're, we're called to look at a hero who is better than us. But in our culture, fully dep- uh, totally depraved, we are now obsessed with dragging our heroes down through the mud with us so that we aren't offended by their goodness and our badness. Whereas the gospel actually says, no, look at your own badness, recognize you need somebody else to make you good and then work hard to become good. Like the person that you're being conformed to the image of. Yeah, exactly. We do, we do this in all walks of life. Yeah. Think, think of it. Every, what sells the most newspapers is a headline about somebody who we had held up on a pedestal getting torn down. Yeah. What do we love? What do we love seeing? And I say we as like a generic, what do we love seeing? We love seeing celebrity caught doing something wrong and it drags them down to our level. Why? Because we like everybody to be just like us. We like everybody to be flawed and messy. We see this even in our, in relationships, men, what is your woman most likely to be attracted to a bad boy reformed? Somebody who's totally, totally flawed that she's changed. Right. Why? Because it brings them down. It brings people down to to a level and then we can fix them right. uh, because we still all want to fix everything. Right. We just want everybody ruined like us because we <laughs> have lost the idea that we should be striving for something better, right. that we should be tr- uh, trying to attain something that's unattainable, which is perfection. Like yep. we're supposed to, like we're designed to because we are image bearers of a perfect God. That's right. That's exactly right. And so, and I think that's, I guess that's at the heart of it. I didn't even realize that as we started the, the episode, but our conversation's kind of taken us that way. And I, I see that now is that shows like Robin Hood, and that's how we started this episode. <laughs> shows like Robin Hood show us somebody who's better than us that we have to that we need to strive to be. Whereas I think a lot of the art, a lot of the shows, a lot of the stories that compel us these days or that are being made these days show the worst of us. And I think 
we, we need to get back to reading stories, watching movies, watching TV shows, reading the, 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 the stories in the Bible about people who are better than us. And don't get me wrong. We know David was flawed. We know Moses was flawed. Gideon was flawed. We, we get that the, the Bible is full of flawed heroes. But guess what? Gideon's not the point of the Bible. Right? David's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that David points us to the one who is perfect. He was, he was the man after God's own heart who pointed the way to the one who would actually be the man after God's own heart. So the, the Bible is about Jesus. It points us to Jesus. And so all of these stories about flawed individuals aren't there so that we feel better about ourselves. They're there to point our need for Jesus. And so the stories that we tell should be, should be showing us people that we want to be like. And so I would just challenge you, like any of our listeners, you know, the, the stories that some of the, the women who listen to us watching, don't watch Desperate Housewives. It's showing horrible women that you don't want to be like. Find shows that, and, and find podcasts and find all those kinds of things that are putting people who you want to be like in front of you. Paul says uh, in Ephesians, right, Emu- or, um, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, and I think that's the point is not that Robin Hood was emulating Christ, but Robin Hood's character was birthed from a society that was much more biblically saturated than we are. And so he had Christ-like qualities. You know, Superman was actually created by two Jewish kids um, in, I think, the 1920s. He got really popular, maybe, maybe the teens. He got really popular in around World War II because he was used in, in kind of American propaganda to fight the Nazis. But uh, he was actually created. Cal-El is the Kryptonian name for Superman. I'm getting super nerdy on a bunch of our people. <laughs> but... And Cal-El actually means chosen one or anointed one. Um, Superman was created by two Jewish guys who were looking at, at um, characteristics of, the, of their Jewish Messiah and placing them in a, in a fictitious superhero named Cal-El, the chosen one. And you think about all of the language. Think about the original Superman movie when he's saying, you are my only son. I'm sending you to earth because they need you. Right, all of that. It's all biblical. It's all biblical illusions. And so, are the heroes that we write and the heroes that we watch movies of and the heroes that we try to emulate ought to emulate the one true hero who we're trying to be like. And so, we need to get back to that. Exactly. We need to focus on him and, and start putting shows in front of us and start absorbing things that help us become more like him. That's right. Right. And and I know it's hard. I know there's shows on TV that are funny and you're just going to sit down because you want to turn your mind off. Yeah. But we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Right. And so I want to leave you guys with Philippians four, eight and nine, which says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If this, if there is any excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What have you learned and received and heard and seen in me? Practice these things and God and the God of peace will be with you. Garbage in, garbage out. Absolutely. Start thinking about stories. Start watching the movies that you ingest, the things you put in front of your kids. Start realizing that there is no neutral, that these aren't harmless things. And we're not saying ban everything. No. Think about these we're things. We're saying spot the lie. Exactly. Spot the lie. Um Teach your kids, talk to yourself, talk to your spouse after watching a movie about the, the lies in there that were propagated and whatever is honorable, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever reflects the world as God actually made it, lift those things up, talk about those things and highlight those things and watch movies and read books about people that you want to be like, not people who make you feel better about yourself. 
that I couldn't have said it any better myself. Yeah. Wonderful. So there you go. Um, we are we are nerds. <laughs> so I'm, for any of you who aren't into superheroes or Star Wars or anything like that, uh, you may we may have lost you through some of the nerdy details. But the point is, whatever show you watch, whatever movies you watch, uh, recognize that heroes ought to point you to Christ, and that the people that you admire in the the, the stories that shape us ought to be people that you want to be like and that God would want you to be like. Amen. So go write stories, read stories, watch movies, make movies that reflect the world as it is and uh, glorify God in even the entertainment that you intake. See you next week.